this morning, I feel to talk on one of the feasts of the Lord. In fact, it's the, the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement. Yesterday afternoon, we were, we were looking, well, those of you who were there yesterday, we were looking at the, the trumpets, the Feast of Trumpets, and the blowing of trumpets. And basically, it's saying to us, where to awake, where to arise, where to be, a, be alert. We're not to be sleeping, but by the grace of God, we're to be moving on, going on, going on to new things in God, in God. And the Day of Atonement is a, a very important feast. And we mentioned yesterday with the trumpets, it was in the seventh month. And the seventh month was towards the latter part of the year. It was in the autumn time. And there were three feasts in that same month. There was the trumpets, the blowing of trumpets, which we saw yesterday was on the very first day of that seventh month. Seventh month, month is called Tishri. And so there was that. And then there were 10 days. And we saw that was, there was, that was the beginning of 10 days of repentance. 10 days of repentance. So, and the, the 10 days of repentance was from the Feast of Trumpets, which was on the first day of the seventh month, up until the Feast of the Day of Atonement, which was on the 10th day of the same month of the month of Tishri. So, and those amongst the Jews, amongst the Hebrews, they were called 10 days leading up to repentance. And we heard a wonderful message yesterday from Pastor Tucker about the, the importance of you know, a, a, a ongoing repentance, fresh cleansing, a fresh purifying in our lives. And so it begins like a trumpets, but then those days of repentance go up to the 10th day of the month, the seventh month, and that was the most solemn day of the whole of the year for the Hebrews. And it's called Yom, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. Let's say that. Yom Kippur. Again, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the, is the that's Day of Atonement. That's how it's said in Hebrew, Yom, Yom Kippur. And the Hebrew day is a little different than our days. Our day begins at, we go from, you know, it's Sunday today, but at midnight tonight, it will, it will become Monday. And so we go from midnight to midnight. But with the, with the, with the Hebrews in, in Israel, uh, well, in, with the Hebrews, the Hebrew day begins at sunset, round about 6 p.m. So it starts about 6 p.m. and it goes round to 6 p.m. And Yom, Yom Kippur, it's, it's not a joyful day. In fact, it's the most solemn day. It's the most serious day of the whole, the whole year because it's dealing with sin. And today, today is September 27th. Today is September 27th. And at sundown tonight, September 27th, 2020, is the beginning of Yom Kippur in Israel. And it's a holy day. It's like a Sabbath day. And I've been in, we've been, my wife and I have been in Jerusalem 
on the Sabbath day. And, you know, everything is shut down. Before it gets dark, you know, all the, all the shops close, the buses stop, the taxis stop, and, you know, the place becomes just completely deserted virtually. And there's, there's hardly anybody around. And that's, and that's what happened on the Day of Atonement. That's what happens every, every Sabbath day, especially in Jerusalem, where there's Orthodox Jews there. And so this Day of Atonement, which we're talking about this morning, it is, it's the most sacred of all the high holy days celebrated by the Jews. And so it is a day, the, the Day of Atonement, the day of, aton the day of atonement. It is a, it's the most sacred day, and it's a day for personal assessment. And it was the only sacred assembly that required mourning and sorrow for their sins. So trump trumpets, I mean, day of atonement, it begins tonight. It begins tonight at sundown, December 27th. And, and, and trumpets... That was not Friday, this last Friday, but the previous Friday, which was Friday the 18th, was the Feast of Trumpets. And, you know, so the 10 days go from the 18th right through to the 28th, 10 days. And that's why they're having, throughout the nation, they're having these 10 days of prayer. And there was a special day of gathering in, in, in Washington uh, yesterday. In fact, the number estimated were... Were, was about 50,000 people who'd come to pray for the nation. And you know, they're all different groups, all different denominations, everything, but they just put all that aside to come to Washington to pray for our nation. And as well as that, many groups like us were praying, you know, not only all over America, but it was going, you know, with modern technology, it was something, it was global, and it was going, you know, all over the world. And the, the way into the Holy of Holies is, is it, in fact, it was the high priest, the high priest, and his, the first high priest was Aaron. Moses, he was the brother. Aaron was the brother of Moses. And Aaron, the high priest, only the high priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies, and it was, he was allowed just one time, one time a year, one day a year. If anybody went in any other day, they could die. They, you know, well, they would die. They would die. And so, but on the day of atonement, when they were atoning for the sins of the people, the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And, you know, we've had the prophecy this morning about, you know, moving in, not just staying in the outer court, but moving forward, coming into the Holy of Holies. Now, the way into the Holy of Holies, is through the Day of Atonement, through a fresh purging, cleansing, and uh, letting the Lord deal with many areas in our life. And it was the only day in the whole year that the high priest was to go into the Holy of, Holy of Holies. In fact, it's not in the Bible, but tradition has it that sometimes they would tie a rope round one of the feet around one of the feet of the high priest before he went in. So if something happened and he was struck down dead, then they wouldn't have to go in themselves to get him because they might be struck down dead too, but then they could pull him out you know, under the veil. 
And it was the veil, the big thick veil, which separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And so the veil is his flesh, it tells us in the book of Hebrews. And so the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement, basically, you know, it deals with sin. It deals with sin. And that high priest went in once a year into the Holy of Holies to make a complete atonement for the sin of the people for the past year. Now, in Leviticus 23, in this chapter, it gives us a list of the feasts of the Lord. And in Leviticus 23, there are seven feasts of the Lord. And we're looking at these, these last three, trumpets, day of atonement. And then five days after the day of atonement is another feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and that lasted for seven days. And so all these feasts come together in the seventh month. And so we have the seven feasts in Leviticus 23, and three of them, the last three, they're in the, the seventh month of the Jewish year, of the sacred year, the sacred calendar, which is the month Tishri. And so reading from Leviticus 23 and verse 26, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the tenth day of the seventh month there shall be an atonement, it shall be a holy convocation unto you, and you shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, and you shall do no work on the same day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the God, before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among the people. So, a full and complete atonement was made by Jesus when he hung on the cross and shed his blood and died on the cross for us. But it is very evident the church is not fully walking in the experience of being free, totally free from sin. And this annual holy day... Um, it celebrated the covering, the covering of national sins. And blood had to be shed. The blood that was shed on the Day of Atonement was not relating to a person's salvation. And it was the blood that was shed um, on the Feast of Passover, which, the, which was the first feast, did not deal with their sin. That was the first feast, and that was in the first month of the sacred year. The 14th day of the first month it began. But the Passover did not deal with their sin, but it simply simply covered it by the blood, by the blood. But on the Day of Atonement, their sin was covered, and it was like their sin was dealt with, and the Israelites were cleansed, at least for another year because it was the sacrifice and the blood of animals and goats. And, you know, that could not cleanse forever like the blood of Jesus. And so this feast of the Day of Atonement, it's the feast 10 days after the blowing of trumpets, and it was the feast five days prior 
to the Feast of Tabernacles, which is followed shortly after and lasted for seven days. Now, Day of Atonement, it is prophetic. It's prophetic, speaking of the future. It, it was in the Old Testament, but it's speaking of the future. It's speaking to us today. It's speaking of the church. And it speaks of the cleansing and the perfecting and the purging, the purifying of the church, the body of Christ. And this is not something just happens overnight. You know, there's a, there's a process. God allows trials, difficulties in our life. And as a result, you know, as we cry out to the Lord in repentance, in that ongoing repentance, God touches us. We are converted. We're changed. We're changed bit by bit. Now, this ceremony, which happened on the Day of Atonement, we read about it in the book of Leviticus and Leviticus chapter 16. And it was on the Day of Atonement that the high priest, he took off all his garments of beauty and the, his garments of glory and beauty, and he, he, he clothed himself very simply. He just had... He, he, all the official garments were, were, were taken off and they were replaced. He just had a linen coat. He just had li linen, linen breeches or linen underwear, a linen girdle and a linen, linen mitre. And we see that in verse 4, Leviticus 16 and verse 4. And we know in the word of God, it speaks of the linen, which speaks of the righteousness of the saints. And so linen speaks of righteousness and so the thought there is, as the high priest was going to go into the Holy of Holies, as the high priest was going to go in, he was attired, he was clothed in righteousness, in righteousness. And he went in, he went, this high priest, on the Day of Atonement, it was the only day of the year, Leviticus chapter 16 tells us he went in to the Holy of Holies on this day. Now, in the tabernacle, we have a, we have a little uh, diagram of the tabernacle of Moses. And the tabernacle of Moses has three parts. There is the, there is the outer court, which is this area. And that has the, the brazen altar, the altar of brass, where the animals were sacrificed and where the blood was shed. And then... There is this like part here at, at the at, towards the back, which is which is basically the holy the holy place where inside the holy place there was the there was the uh, table of showbread, there was the altar of incense, there were the golden candlesticks, and then there was a veil separating the holy place from the holy of holies. It was a thick veil, and it was through that thick veil that the priest had to go into the Holy of Holies. Now, if we could have the next one. All right, there is like a, a floor plan of the tabernacle and of the, of, the holy, of the holy place. That's the holy place there. And actually, imagine it. I mean, it's got walls and it's got a roof over above it, but there's, there's no windows whatsoever. And in the holy place, it is lit up by the golden candlestick, which is over here, seven-branch golden candlestick. And 
here separating the holy place, which is there, and the holy of holies, which is there, is this big, thick curtain. It's called the veil. When Jesus died on the cross, supernaturally, that veil in the temple, which was in Jerusalem at that, that, at that time, it's about four, they say it was about four inches thick, and supernaturally, it was split from the top to the bottom. It was split, and it was rent asunder, signifying the way is open into the Holy of Holies. And we were urged in prophecy this morning to go on in the Lord and to go in to the Holy of Holies. And so, but, but the, the way in, there's only one way into the Holy of Holies, and that's by going through the veil. And the fulfillment of that, when Jesus died on that cross, that veil was split. But in the Old Testament, just the high priest, he could go in once a year. And when he went inside that veil, when he went inside that veil, here was the ark inside that veil. There was just, a, just an ark, like a box. It was a wooden box with, with, gold, with gold all around it. And then there was like a lid on the top, which was called the mercy seat. It was like a covering. Also made of, it was made of pure gold. And then at the ends of that was a two cherubim, and their wings touched. And so... We go now to the Ark of the Covenant, and that's the Ark of the Covenant. They weren't, no one was allowed to touch it. That's why they, when they moved from place to place, they, it was, it was put, there were rings there, and there was a wooden stave, which was put through the, 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 the rings, and, they, and the Levites, only the Levites, were charged to carry the Ark. No one was allowed to touch it, or, or else they, 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 would, they would be struck down dead. And that's why in the time of David, when he brought back the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion, we remember Usa, the, the Ark stumbled, and he reached out his hand, and he, and he tried to, to, to steady it. But God was not pleased, and he was struck down dead at that time. So the Ark of the Covenant was very holy, and it represents the very presence of the living God. And even though in the Holy of Holies there were no windows, there were no candlesticks, there was, there was no sunlight could get in in any way, it was not dark inside. It was bright inside. It was shining inside. It was the glory of God inside. It was, they call that the Shekinah glory of God. The, very, the light of God lit up the Holy of Holies. And so that's where we're heading. We're heading into the glory, into the very presence of the living God. But the way into that is through the veil. And that veil, that's talking about the Feast of Atonement, the Day of Atonement, dealing with sin, purging from sin, and going through the veil into the very presence of the Lord. So this Feast of the Day of Atonement it's prophetic of the cleansing, perfecting of the church. And the high priest, he went within the veil into the Holy of Holies, into the actual presence of the Lord. And in Hebrews 9, in verses 7 to 9, we read there, but into the second only. The second is the, is the Holy of Holies, the high priest goes 
just once a year. But he, when he goes in, it says he's got to take blood, which he offers for himself and for the, the sins or the unintentional sins of the people. All right, so in verse 8, so by this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places is not yet opened as long as the first section is still standing. And verse 9, which is symbolic of this present age, according to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper. So even though these animal sacrifices were offered in the Old Testament, they could not cleanse our conscience. But now, a much more great, a greater sacrifice, a far greater sacrifice has been offered. Jesus' blood has been shed on the cross, and so our sins can be forgiven. We don't have to go just wait a year and have it all happen again and again and again, like in the Old Testament. But he can cleanse our conscience forever, forever, and bring us into his wonderful presence. And the Lord appeared in a cloud at the mercy seat between the two cherubim. We read that in Numbers 7 and verse 89. Now, if any Israelite had entered at any other time, he would have been struck dead. Now, just a few things from Leviticus 16. Firstly, there's the bullock. There's a bullock. And Aaron, the high priest, he, first of all, he's got to kill a bullock, a big animal. He's got to shed its blood on the brazen altar, which we saw was in the outer court. And he had to bring the blood of that bullock into the Holy of Holies. And he offered a bullock as a sin offering for himself. And he entered the Holy of Holies and he had to sprinkle the blood of that bullock on the mercy seat. It's the covering of the ark and also on the floor before the Ark of the Covenant. And then not only was a bullock had to die, but also two goats had to die on the Day of Atonement. And we read about those, those goats in, in verses 5 to 10, in verses 15, and then verses 20, 21, and 22. And the high priest, what he had to do, he had to cast lots over the two goats. Two goats were brought to the high priest, perfect goats, nothing, no blemish, and they had to be brought by the people. And one, one lot was for the Lord. One of those goats was the Lord's goat, and the other was the scapegoat, or we could say the escape goat. And they determined which was which by lot, and the Lord's goat was killed. And he was offered for a sacrifice, offered for a sin offering for the nation. And the blood was taken. And so the blood of the goat that was killed. Now, Christ was killed for us. He died for us. And the goat that was killed was offered for a sin offering for the nation of Israel. And the blood was taken Within the veil, again by the high priest, he had to take the, the blood, not only of the bullock, but after that, the, the blood of this goat, which was killed. And he had to sprinkle it before the mercy seat seven times, which speaks of perfect atonement, to make atonement 
for the Holy of Holies. Now, the other goat was called the scapegoat. And the high priest, Aaron the high priest, he would lay hands upon this other goat, the scapegoat. And as he laid hands on that, on that goat, that was symbolic of all the sins of Israel being all the sins that they committed through that, that whole year, or those, those sins of God's people being placed upon the goat, the scapegoat. You know, one lot was for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. And the Lord's goat was killed. It was offered for a sin offering for the nation. The blood was taken within the veil. And then the, sa- the scapegoat, the high priest, confessed those sins of the people, put his hands on their head. And so those sins were transferred from the people to the goat. And then after that, the live goat was then carried away by a strong man into the wilderness and let go, symbolically carrying away the sins of the people. And then the children of Israel were cleansed. But it had to do the same thing the next year. And then the first goat was the Lord's goat. And that was the one that, that, that died. Because it was the innocent one who became sin who died for the people. The other goat was com- permitted to go free into the wilderness. He rep- represented Bar- Barabbas. Barabbas, he was the guilty one. But he went free. Christ was the innocent one, but his blood was shed, and he died on the cross. Matthew 27 and verse 26. So there was not not forgiveness of sins. And and this is not talking about salvation. It's not talking about forgiveness of sins for the sinner coming to Christ for salvation. On the day of atonement, God dealt with the sins of his people he cleansed the people from their sins. Now, also on this day, this solemn day, this serious day, the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16.31 and Le- Leviticus 23.27, it tells us it was on the 10th day, 10th day, there were 10 days of repentance, the 10th day. What does 10 speak of? 10 speaks of testing and trials. You know, Daniel and his friends were tested during those 10 days. And uh, it speaks of trials. It speaks of testing. And God allows us to go through trials and tests in order to purge us, to refine us, to purify us, so that we we are matured and so that we can go in to the Holy of Holies, so we we can stand, as it were, the presence of the living God. And Malachi chapter 3 and verse 2 and 3 and many other scriptures tell us about this. That the fire comes to purify us, to purge us. Just as in the natural, fire purges gold and makes that gold purer and purer and purer. And in the same way, it's the fire that purges our hearts and lives. And the day of atonement in the church, it's a day of trial and affliction a sifting of God's people with a view to perfecting them. And Psalm 119, 67, the psalmist says, it's good that I be afflicted. And often on, the, on, on, on 
in the Old Testament, like David says in Psalm 31, I afflicted my soul with fasting. And actually on the day of, day of atonement, it was, it was a compulsory, not optional, it was compulsory day of fasting. And everyone, even including kids, they had to fast. And many today, still the same in, in Jerusalem, on the day of atonement, they will, eat, they will, they will not eat anything until su from sundown till the next day sundown. They will not take food, the day of atonement, to flick their soul. And it was compulsory in the Old Testament, and, and many still do that today. And in Acts chapter 27 and verse 9, when Paul is, 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 he, when Paul is shipwrecked, he mentions there that the fast, it, it was already passed. And, and, and that is understood generally to point to the fast on the Day of Atonement. So it was a day of affliction, and it was also the Day of Atonement was a day of rest, Leviticus 16.31. So in other words, it was like a Sabbath day. No work was to be done. What they did during the, the, the rest of the week, they were not to do on the Day of Atonement. It was a day of rest. It was a Sabbath day, and it was by grace, and by grace, by grace, and by grace alone. And so it, is a, it was a very serious, solemn, because it was dealing with sin. It was dealing with sin. Now, in 1973, in October 1973, there was a war in Israel. And the Arabs from surrounding countries, they attacked Israel from the south and from the north, different places, when they were resting, they were, they were, that, it was on the Day of Atonement, October 6th, 1973. And, it was, and the Jews at that day, they were celebrating the Day of Atonement. And that was the day when the war broke out. And there was, there was great conflict during this 13-day war. And actually Israel won it and, and, and got back a, a lot of the land, the Sinai, Sinai Peninsula. But, but it was tough on Israel because many Israeli troops were wiped out. And in other words, God was saying, and, and the Lord was speaking. And, uh, you know, God gave Pastor Bailey, a, you know, a vision of, of what was going to happen at the, at the time. And in, and in 19, and, and the Lord spoke to Pastor Bailey, the time of great shaking is coming. Great shaking is coming. Not in the natural, in the spiritual in the natural, in the nations, in, in the church. And from that time, in fact, the following year, 29 world leaders had to be removed from their positions, their, their, their positions of authority um, because, because of corruption or, or other sin re revealed. Even here in America, that was the time of the Watergate scandal. Uh, and so, you know, there was a shaking. It began there. And the shake, shakings have been continuing in Israel. And the shakings in Israel today, right now, they face the threat. You know, Iran is virtually on the, the verge of getting a nuclear weapons. They vowed that they want to wipe out Israel from the map. And, and also, you know, even right now, Israel is on the verge of total shutdown because of resurgence again of the virus. Now, the purpose of the Day of Atonement... It's, it, it's to remove leaven from the church, to remove sin from the church. 
And Jesus is coming for a bride without spot, without blemish. And so the Lord is allowing these pressures, these trials, these shakings. And many of us, many this year, we've been with the virus and other restrictions. There's been, there's been shaking. God is shaking. God is shaking the nations. And those who have gone through the Day of Atonement, they're going to be the ones who are going to go into the Holy, into the Holy of Holies. They're, the, they're, they're going to be the ones that are going to reap the harvest in the final ingathering of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is a feast in contrast of great joy. And so the fulfillment, what is the fulfillment then of the Day of Atonement? Really, it, has to, it is yet to be fulfilled historically in the church. Now, many individuals, many believers, have come into an experience of the Day of Atonement. And, and it's basically coming into the experience of knowing that that old man, that old nature, died on the cross. When Jesus died, we died. Died on the cross with him. And so when we think of the journey of the children of Israel... The Day of Atonement, it's when they, Jordan means death, when they passed through the, the, river of, the, the River Jordan and they began to come into the Promised Land. And, and that happened. And they passed through Jordan immediately prior to going into their inheritance. If we look at the Tabernacle of Moses, the Day of Atonement is that veil separating the holy place from the most holy place, the holy of holies. And through that veil, we come into the very presence of God. And Hebrews tells us, Hebrews 10, 20, that the veil is his flesh. And so going through the veil, it's a definite experience God has for each of us. And it's knowing, not just an intellectual knowledge, but knowing in our, knowing in our spirits that the old man was crucified with Christ. As Paul says in Romans 6, 6. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we're perfect. In fact, Paul had to say, I die daily. But it's an experience. Like Paul said when he said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And God is wanting each one of us to know complete victory not just over individual sins, but even over the, the, the power of sin, the nature of sin, victory over the power of sin, and coming into a, a death experience with Christ. We want to be those who take up our cross, who deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow the Lord. And so it's having bondages broken and the power of sin broken in our lives and preparing us for revival ahead. And I know much has been spoken about repentance, but we need to continue continue to come to the Lord and come to God and ask the Lord, you know, purify me, purge me. Lord, show me things that even I'm not aware of. You know, if God showed everything at the same time, we, we couldn't handle it. But, you know, God shows one thing. Deal with it. If God shows something else, deal with it. Repent, turn from it, be willing to forsake it with God's help. Cry out to God and believe God that God will touch you. And, you know, God will bring us even through the veil into 
the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God, which represents the last feast of the Feast of Tabernacles and the great revival that is coming. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your precious word. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for this feast of the Day of Atonement, the serious, solemn feast. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart for you to hate sin, to love righteousness, to love holiness, to love purity. Oh God, change us, change us. Meet with us. Lord, we pray. Lord, show us things we're even not aware of. Let the spotlight of your spirit, Lord, illuminate areas where we need to repent and turn to you. Lord, we know you're coming for a beautiful bride without spot, without blemish. Lord, we want to be part of that bride. Lord, without spot, without blemish, without sin, worshipping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Lord, I pray, oh God, Lord, as a church, as a church, as individuals in that church, oh God, cleanse us, purify us, purge us, make us more like you, prepare us for days of revival and your power and your glory. Father, seal this message to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I encourage you, just keep asking the Lord. Just go before the Lord. Go before the Lord. Go before the Lord often. And just ask the Lord. You know, Lord, show me my heart. Bring to the light things that I'm not even aware of. They'll come up. And then, by the grace of God, obey. Obey what God says. Put them right. Confess it. Acknowledge it. Maybe sometimes you have to go to somebody. Other times you go to God and ask God to forgive you. And he will change us. He will change us. And he will get us ready. And we have a wonderful, wonderful, exciting future. Amen. 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 Let the musicians come as we close.